Hey, everybody. Welcome to the auto podcast that's not trying to populate the world with narcissistic CEOs. On this episode of Throwing Wretches, historical headlines are back, EVs are falling, hybrids are rising, and find out what Ben Franklin and Elon have in common. All that and more on this episode of Throwing Wrenches. Hey everybody, thanks for listening and to join in the fun of the show, as I say every time, send us an email, info at thronewrenches.com or you could post a review on iTunes to be heard all around the world. That's right. We Guess how around. many reviews we have this month, Daryl? The same as we did the month before? <laughs> we don't have any new ones, seriously? Mm, funny you should say that. Not yes. a one. Not a one. But to be fair, there are so many different ways for people to listen to podcasts nowadays. Mm. I'm not sure that iTunes is the preferred way. Maybe I should go back and check the traffic reports and see. Could. But you could be on Amazon, you could be on Spotify, and those places don't take cool reviews, so whatever. It's fine. iTunes for the win. If you want to send us an email at info at thrownwrenches.com, we'll send you a sticker. We got we got extras. We do. We just heard that there's some new ones out floating around. But is that did I let the cat out of the bag? I haven't even seen these. Uh okay. I you know It's double secret, hush hush. It is double secret probation. If you're a Patreon member, well, you definitely mm. get stuff in your mailbox every once in a while. I got another batch of goodies coming out pretty soon for all the good little boys and girls on the Patreon feed. They always get the cool toys, don't they? Yeah. If you don't know my co-host, before we talk about those Patreon folks, well, uh-huh. let me tell you about Daryl Scott. Do you know the difference between a 5.0 and a 4.9? What is the 4.9 thing? I have no idea, <laughs> but I know a guy. And if you have a thing about a stang, Daryl Scott, he's your guy. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. Well, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, acting, acting. <laughs> uh, and if you don't know my co-host, uh, well, he's handy with a notepad, a screwdriver, and a knife and fork. He also knows which local restaurants have the best pad thai or tacos al pastor. <laughs> His food blog used to be called Grubhub. That is until they made him change the name due to a pending copyright claim. He's the Uber Eats without the Eats. He's Mr. Eric Stahl. I don't even know what that means. Very nice. I did Uber drive, so I guess you know, and I eat. So I forget. Yeah, you did. That, that was fun. How, how how many years did you do that? I did that for like two or three years while the kids were at Civil Air Patrol because those meetings were like three hours long in Bloomington. So I'd, <laughs> I'm tired of sitting <laughs> in the parking lot. <laughs> well, I'd go to High V and sit at the bar. Then I'd go to Distill and sit at the bar. I'm like, this is not good. Yeah, so. this is not, <laughs> not healthy. So you had a little hashtag side hustle for a little bit? It, exa- well, it just I figured if I'm spending 30 or $40 drinking beer... I might as well gain thirty or forty dollars. So that's a net, you know, eighty dollar gain, right? Yeah. Anyway, great it was, idea. It seemed smart at the time. Yeah. Then I realized I hate people in my car, and I stopped <laughs> doing that. <laughs> There's the whole, you know, other side of the coin. Speaking of cars, you are tuned in here for cars, right? Mm-hmm. You're here for the top twenty six or twenty seventh podcast in the podcast ratings for automobile podcasts. Did I say podcasts and automobiles enough? Maybe. I might have hit our SEO limit. All right. Ding, 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 ding. There you go. Uh, our sponsor, Forts Toyota, well, they sell a lot of great cars. So if you don't know Forts Toyota, you can find them on the web at www.toyota-pekin.com. There you'll find probably the best inventory we've had of Toyotas uh, in maybe three or four years. It is crazy. There's seven or eight Tundras at least out there. There's Venzas. There's Crowns. There's Highlanders. There's Grand oh. Highlanders. What? 
No, wait, wrong one. Hold on. Mm. There we go. Mr. Fort will not be pleased. That's what I meant to hit. <laughs> crown, you said crown. The crown. The crown is a beautiful car. Anyway, we've got crowns, we got Venzas, we got... And you name it, today, I don't know if you saw on the Instagram video I posted, mm. we got a Nightshade SE Corolla Cross hybrid, blacked out, beautiful car. And I don't think that thing was sold yet. So some really cool cars are coming across the radar. A couple Priuses on the lot right now. And uh, the Tacoma, it's just got to be minutes away from landing on our lot. So once that shows up, I'll probably be doing about 100 videos. So follow Fort's Toyota on Instagram, at Fort's Toyota. I will tell you. I think we have the best Instagram feed in Peoria for automotive dealers. Yeah. You definitely use it to yeah. the highest potential of that platform. <laughs> and you're well, funny, too. You're... Well, yeah, whether it's employee nonsense or, <laughs> or whether it's just uh, car stuff. I, I think – I mean, that's the whole point of this type of stuff, right? Yeah, it's absolutely. Kinda, kind of making common ground with the customer. Mm. So we do that a lot. So tune in on Instagram, at Forts Toyota. Great Instagram feed. Thanks again to Forts for being a sponsor as long as you have. Yeah, and thanks also to our Patreon sponsors. Uh, again, you heard a little bit about the pre-show goodies that you're entitled to when you step up and join the Patreon ranks. Uh, we do appreciate that. It actually does help pay some actual bills that we have, make sure that we have our domain registrar all you know happy with us so we can have thrownwrenches.com. And our wives. And our wives, too. Uh, make sure we have these microphones, the cables, the... Uh, High production standards that you're used to on this show. So, and, and I don't know if you know this, Daryl, but Sticker Mule has a deal right now where I can get temporary tattoos made. <laughs> are, the ge- are the I see gears turning right now above your head. Yes, I'm just trying to think what image I will use to make a temporary tattoo and send out to our Patreon members. Hopefully, it's something to promote the show and not creep people out <laughs> like your last couple. Uh, Eric likes to do all kinds of artistic stuff with uh, Sticker Mule, and it's really it's cool. It's great. It's it's a lot of fun. Um, I'll just say I've been shocked, shocked yeah. the last few times. Um, it's, we, <laughs> that's that's all I'm going to say. I, the Daryl Scott could never be speechless until tonight. If you uh, did tune in the pre-show, you know, great. I, I hope you enjoyed it. If you didn't tune in because you're not a Patreon member, well, I'll tell you this: it was a musical pre-show. We had uh, lots of talk because uh, the late great Toby Keith were featured and Mojo Nixon. Yep. And then we had a little discussion about which is better, the electronic Oingo Boingo or the live Oingo Boingo. So if you're into all that stuff, you definitely want to tune into the pre-show. I think we hit some other subjects, too. Yeah, we talked about Carl Weathers, who passed away. We talked about, uh, I don't know, terrible Instagram reels that follow us now. And Oh, yeah, and then Facebook scams. Love the Facebook scams. Yeah. So, yes, we got down to some really hard-hitting news in there. So it's stuff that can't make the regular show because it's, it's just – too overwhelming for the senses. So right. tune into that pre-show. <laughs> All right. If we've gone deep enough. And also so. you can get on iTunes Premium. iTunes Premium, God bless you people. I still haven't figured out who's on there, what what's going on. I don't even know. You don't get a monthly report or anything? I have to queue it up myself. They don't send me any statement or anything like that. And you're even an iPhone user. I know. You're and an I, Apple I'm an Apple devotee. apologist. Yes. Uh, absolutely an apologist for Apple. But for some reason, I can't figure out what's going on there. Huh. Just know this. Sometimes the pre-show comes on Patreon a day before Apple because Apple actually listens to the show. And then, like, I have to go back and make sure they approved it so I can submit it. It's crazy. Works I mean, on my machine. What's this, this is, called? This is like some Joe Rogan filtering stuff Android. going on. I'm not sure what's huh. going on. No, I don't I don't know. It's weird. It's totally yeah. weird. But you know what? It does work. And consistently, yeah. iTunes seems to deliver, you know, the most amount of listeners. Yeah. And it's a really good interface. So. 
They got something right. They got something. All right. And also, if you haven't been following our Facebook page, we've been doing a lot on there lately. Lots of commentary. Love the feedback from people. I love seeing people who are like lurkers. Mm-hmm. Like you put out a comment, next thing you know, there's like people popping up on there. I'm like, oh, who's this person? Obviously, people are you know watching and, and reading stuff on there. So that's pretty cool. If we can't get 33 or 34 reviews now on iTunes, you know, by God, at least just Boy, pipe up really, on the Facebook page. You're so sore about those reviews. I just, you know, it, I, I hate hitting this impasse. We have a, a record number of Patreon people listening at this point. Someone please just leave a review. <laughs> Please. And then Eric will sleep soundly at night like a baby. Doubtful. Like Doubtful. he hasn't slept in years. Mm. Mrs. Stahl probably won't. All right. Are you ready for the first section of the show? <laughs> Please. It's time for projects. Is that high production? Yes, it is. It is. All right. So we have not done like a true project section, I don't think, in a while. Mm. Uh, yeah. have, have we really done anything? we played with anything? I. It's wintertime in Central Illinois. Today, the temperature got up to 65 degrees. And it was kind of funny because we were, like, dragging some cars in off the back lot that haven't been touched all winter uh, because <laughs> nobody wants to go outside and screw with a car when it's, you know, it's freezing cold, right? Mm-hmm. But 60 seems to be the magic number where we're like, all right, let's uh, roll up our sleeves and go outside and kind of move some stuff around. So I think that's going to start happening in my garage. It's it's middle of February. It does seem a little premature to be getting that excited, but definitely spring felt like it's it's popping around. I have got to get my camper out. I'm, I'm sure you remember the story of me pushing it in. Right with before, my, yeah. Yeah, with my bearing, I pressed in myself, and I and I tapped it in flush at the back of the hub. But when I rolled the, when I, I hooked up to my truck and rolled it, it just went. Really? Yeah. The and same actually, side I, or the other side? The right the side I'd just done. Uh. Now, to be fair, I tried to put red bearing grease and, and tried to fill up the zerk with grease mm-hmm. when it was like 34 degrees. There's, I don't think there's anything harder than that. That's just awful. Nothing wants to stick. It's not a fun time. You try and you try and roll a bearing in your hand and pack it. I'm, and I'm doing this action where you like you keep turning it and packing the grease in there, just like shop class. But when it's that cold, yeah. <laughs> nothing wants to go where it should. You know, if it were just man, if it were 50 or 60 degrees, it probably would be much better. So I later found out because I didn't take a picture. I, the, the cool thing now is you take a picture of everything, right? You know, so you know what it looked like before. Oh yeah. You're supposed to. I never yeah. remember half no. the time, but yeah. So what did I do? I took the old hub and backing plate from my trailer, and I pitched it in my metal scrap bin at work. I didn't check to see how how recessed that bearing was in the back of the hub plate. Mm. And since then, I've talked to somebody like, no, you didn't pack it down far enough. should go down another half inch. I'm like, crap. So It's just a single axle trailer, right? It is. Okay. And I think I think the bearing might be riding on the spindle, but just not sitting in grease or something. I don't know. It's just... I didn't go more than 20 feet with it, so I think I can dismantle this thing and then push in the bearing a little bit further, and I think I'll be okay. Just pop the other side off. Use that for your reference. If it's not been I, touched. And I think, I, yeah, um, I think the backing plate. I don't know what the That's backing plate. That's what I do with drum brakes. I'm like, yeah. I screwed it up the one time, and I'm like, yeah, yeah I'm going to just take the other side apart and see what <laughs> how it's supposed to be. It's sim- symmetrical. Yeah, yeah. It's not too bad. And, uh, yeah. It, do you have to it, use a like a big hydraulic press or something? No, I just tapped it with a hammer. It wasn't that bad. Trailers are weird. I don't get like the greasable stuff. Well, like, all the hard so it. so the backing plate and the hub. I got all that stuff for like a hundred bucks over at Mutual Wheel in East Peoria. I could have pressed everything back out. I could have cleaned it, mm-hmm. but it came with all the new hardware, the brake hardware, and the shoes and the springs. And everything was all brand new. The other stuff was destroyed because it kind of fell apart. For a hundred bucks, just do it. Yeah, to get the hub already all set up with it and then because it's all got the backing plate and all that and then all i do is just buy the bearing and and the uh the, the seal yeah yeah way easier <laughs> yes 
<laughs> no, that's good. So you need to, are you going to start writing that out again? And so I just, so this last week, somebody said, hey, we're going down to Southern Illinois for the eclipse. I'm like, yeah, yeah, when is that? And they go, oh, April 6th through the, or April 8th or something like that. And I'm like, <laughs> somebody rented it. Somebody That weekend? It. Yes. Uh, I didn't even realize. I didn't block off those days. And so. <laughs> you know what you should do? You should rent the trailer. Let's do it. And then late. someone else can use your rental trailer. There and you then you'll both go down to the eclipse and see each other there yeah. and be like, you right. want to trade? Yeah. I, I don't think Angela wanted to go anyway. It's on a Monday. The last time I went to an eclipse, uh, I tried to come home during after the eclipse. One of the greatest mistakes of my life What was a two-and-a-half-hour drive home from Carbondale or three-hour drive. Turned into eight hours. Is is that a good spot to see it? Is that why? Uh, yeah. The, the eclipse will pass over the southern tip of Illinois within like a 50-mile span or something like that. Okay. So Shawnee Forest, Carbondale – all that will be affected by it. So, so did you stay up here? Obviously, you stayed up here for the last clips. Did you even step outside? I did. It was the one that uh, was like during the middle of the day or something. Yeah. Like at lunchtime. Yeah. yeah. In fact, I was going through my memories and I had, I checked in some pictures there. Yeah, it was I, – I was on the air working at the radio station. I popped Seri- out. Seriously? Yeah. It was like 11 or noon or something. I was covering for somebody. And I remember going downstairs – I was going to go to the roof, but they wouldn't let us on the roof of the yeah, building. Yeah. Um, and I got like three pictures, like before, during, after. I'm like, yay. And then I went back up and okay. ate my sandwich and kept working. So I, <laughs> the moral of that story is yeah. I should take time off and rent your trailer. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. But anyways. Well, somebody already has. I'm just – part of me said maybe I should just text this guy and say, hey, by the way, I know we got an agreement, but uh, my wheel bearing screwed up. And to be fair – You're I'm, not lying. Maybe I should let him know – that somebody who's completely inept is working on this trailer right now, and it may not be repaired in time. So, <laughs> it might not. Am I doing him a disservice by not notifying of a possible problem with the trailer? Do you have to give him his deposit back or something? I or don't what? care about that. I'd even pay him $100 not to take it at this point. So, Well, there you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I don't see how this is a lucrative business, but right? that's fine. Right? That's fine. Um, I got the title for the Celica sitting outside the store. That's my new project coming in. And I got the Scion running today because, again, 65 degrees outside. Why not? So I have this 2005 or 2003 Scion TC that's been sitting outside. I paid nothing for and So it runs. Nobody believes me that it runs. It's hilarious. Like, I heard oh. it run once. Yeah, it I runs. Yeah. It doesn't run great, but uh, I think I think it's got the potential that I paid. I'm six hundred dollars in this car. Mm-hmm. Six hundred dollars in a car that runs. Now, to be fair, they've stripped out the interior. It's got race seats. It's got a, a methane uh, container injector. or methanol injector. Yeah. It's got a bunch of turbo, turbo, yeah, yeah turbo. What early two thousands? Yeah, like yeah. a 04 Scion TC, something yep. like that. Yep. It's got tinted glass. Why aren't you autocrossing that? Because why would I autocross that? Because and I got other stuff I can autocross. Tune it. That car with a tune? I don't care. It's it it it's not. I bought the car because I thought, oh, I could have fun with this. Maybe Aiden would have fun with it. But it, I don't have time for projects, so just put what it away. Is, what does it need? Seat and a tune. Yeah. Well, and tires, and then go beat the bejesus out of don't it. Don't care. Just don't care enough. Of all the cars in my retinue, uh, it, yeah. You know, it just, it's not worth it. So. What do you have to have some high dollar, high caliber? No. The most fun the most fun cars in my opinion to drive, especially on a road course, are the ones you don't care about. So okay, so getting to that point, uh we have a little flare side Tacoma truck sitting out back. The guy traded in with us a couple years ago because the frame was rusted out. The frame was pretty bad. I Pass didn't re- recall, so you can't do anything. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And so okay. we took it on trade. I said, Don't get rid of it, maybe we'll do something with it. 
But it's been sitting out back there. It's got the 2.4 liter, like I said, two-wheel drive, long body, flare mm-hmm. side bed, which is kind of rare. If I have, I, I finally got two guys in the shop who can weld. If I repair the frame on the bottom and we slam that and we rip the exhaust off, mm-hmm. I think I could have my guys paint that thing black and take it to autocross and yeah. have a blast in it. Because generally truck, trucks don't come to these events because the rule with autocross is it has to be wider than it is tall. Well, rarely is there a truck nowadays that that, that qualifies. Right. Even the two-wheel drive Tacomas now stand really tall because they make them look like four-wheel drives. So this thing, old-school Tacoma, mm-hmm. 2004, 2005. Is it a five-speed? No, it's automatic. Automatic, okay. Who cares? And uh, we could just lower it and yeah. what the heck, have some fun, put some wide tires on it. Why not? It'll drive absolutely ridiculous probably on the course, but it'll be the only truck that'll qualify <laughs> probably get first place in its class, right? I think that's a great idea. So, and I got, I got, this is not projects, but uh, I, it's been a really weird time with the dealership. I, I've had to kind of like rebuild kind of the staff since I came back here in the last couple of months, but I brought in two or three guys who are all kind of like friends and they, they're kind of car nerds and they weld and they hang out and they want to work on their cars. I haven't had guys like that in the shop in probably five years. Really? Yes. And it's kind of refreshing to yeah. see these guys want to kind of tinker on their stuff. And I'm like, all right, cool. Let's I, let's embrace this. I mean, this is really what you want. You want the culture in the shop. You would think so. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What uh, what kind of stuff are they into? By and well, large, they're lower in their car. They're, they, these guys are all stance. Yes, stance. It's, it's hilarious. Okay. But uh, TCs, couple of guys, TCs, one guy with an Audi. One of my guys just got a Forerunner. I swear to God, he wants to do Forerunner things with me. So that's cool. Um, there you go. It's a good group right now, so I'm kind of excited to see, you know, over the next summer what we can drum up here. Got some good technicians and uh, shaking some stuff out, so kind of busting the cobwebs off the place. I feel like since COVID and since I was out last year that uh, yeah, I'm excited. Th- things just need to be – it's like a rug that's just primed to be beat and get the dust out, so maybe we can <laughs> – is that a good analogy? Yes. We're talking rugs. <laughs> Beating the rug. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and last but not least, I got that Celica title for the 1994. What year is that? <laughs> I don't one? even know. 90, is it a 94? I think it's 95. It could be a 94 or 95 because I've owned about every year Celica. And I'm trying to think right now, Angela's is a 97. And the black one I bought was a 96. I do believe this one's a 95. Okay. But it's red. It's a GT. It's a lift back. And uh, the paint's starting to peel in one of the quarters. That red color just never holds up. But. Uh, been fighting to get the title in this car. I think the transmission's out or an axle's broke. Al didn't really know. Leather interior looks a little rough, but the car ran like a top. And you just start right up. The engine idles nice. Body's clean. Yeah. It's a clean car. I for, I keep forgetting you have it. And then every time I go to the dealer, I'm like, oh, that thing behind the fence. Yeah. That's... A- Aiden wants that car. Does he? Yes, he does. So, okay. so I think this summer I might have that car for him. And he can if he wants to go out of the RAV and he wants to drive the Celica, sure. that'd be a fun car. Is it, uh, are we going to plastic dip this one? Or? Yeah, he wants to paint it. Okay. He's ar- yeah, he's already plotted. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Put a ski rack on the top and, uh, yeah. It'd, it'd be, be prime. It'd yeah. be primed for, you know, some, those liftbacks have, they got good lines. They do. I like them. It, I, I, you know what? There's, I didn't like those cars when they came out. I like the pop-up headlights, you know, the, the, mm, that generation, yeah. I don't know if it was a Mark Six generation Celica, or what it was, but, uh, when they came out, those four round headlights, which to me truly harked to a rally heritage. Mm-hmm. They really do like the Pikes Peak cars. Those, those, uh, those rally, those rally cars all had those big headlights on the front. I think that car kind of screams that vintage, but 
they have grown on me now to the point where the flip-up headlights and the smaller Celica don't really do it for me like those do. No. So I'm growing with age, Daryl. It's not your tastes evolve. Yeah, right. So I, I, I hopefully I'm telling lots of stories about projects like that, and hopefully I'm telling a story about that Scion leaving the fleet. <laughs> Sell it to one of your techs. Yeah, I mean, I, you. Uh, I, won't, I don't want to tease you know what you're doing, but you posted a picture of a car on a trailer, and freaked me out the other day. Oh, uh-huh. I thought he bought. He did not buy another car. No, I just assist. Uh, some some say enable, but uh... <laughs> well, I'll move on to you. I, I mean, I alluded to it in my description of who is Daryl Scott. What's going on in the North Peoria Auto Museum? Or what is it? The Scott Auto Museum of North Peoria. Yeah, it sounds better when you <laughs> the order you just stack it up. <laughs> no, honestly, not much. Um, just helped uh, helped a good friend. Um, uh, the illustrious, uh, the illustrious Mr. Casey, uh, bring home another vehicle in his stable. So he finds some really cool stuff from time to time, and this time it ap- actually happened to be a Fox Body Mustang. So uh, that that is now in his stable. I'll let him talk about that. But uh, you can follow him over it's at Spark Fuel Air on the Instagram if you'd like. I'm sure there'll be some stuff there shortly. But uh, neat cars. Fox Mustangs are always fun because just the best bang for your buck. V8 rear wheel drive. Most of them are, you know, um, they they don't stay stock for long. I so are they survivors around here? Some, yeah. It's hard here in the Midwest. A lot of the floors and stuff will go, but no, this this is a real solid one. And every once in a while, they'll, they'll pop up. Mm-hmm. And I I cut my teeth on those when I was a kid um, in high school and and out of high school. And I just I never owned one. I owned the later the SN95. My Cobra was a '98, which is pretty much the same underpinning suspension, mm-hmm. drivetrain wise and stuff. But uh, at some point in my life, I do want to have a Fox Mustang. And I like the 85-86 nose. That's the one I like. I can't but imagine you trying to squeeze into one of those. They're decent. They're big. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, my mother Mustang, actually, the, the SN95 is a little smaller inside. I had that thing for 16 years. Oh. The only thing that I got – the only reason I really got rid of it is because it's so low to the ground. When I had my back surgery and stuff, it was just a pain mm-hmm. uh, to get in and out of the thing. Um but no, once you're in there, it's fine. And I, I, I really like how easy they are to work on. Even to this day, they still have one of the largest aftermarket supports of any vehicle ever made, and stuff's cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, it's weird to to talk about getting older and stuff, and your tastes evolve. Mm-hmm. You know, my taste for a while was like, oh, those are cool, these are cool, and then I got, you know, oh, I like newer, cooler, turbocharged, yeah. and you know, I like different stuff. Those are simple, and everybody has one. And now I came back to them. You know, I'm like, these things, there's a reason why they were so popular. Yeah. The trouble is, is now they're 40 plus years old and oh, yeah. <laughs> you're dealing with five owners and 16 different motors and all this. It's like, okay. radio Radio chops. Yeah. The dash is all cut out. There's no plastic left. You're like, mm, okay. So what is the difference? I mean, when somebody says something's a five O, I never know yeah. if that's a cheat anymore or what... I think the newer ones, when they say 5.0, they're 5.0, right? They are, yes. The older ones, the the, the Ford 302, it denotes any Mustang that came with a 302 V8, okay. which I think from 79 up, even like the Mustang 2s, you could get them. It's a, The 302 is an older motor. It's a derivative of the old 289, 260, the Windsor motors. Um, but they actually started coming in those Foxes, 79 to 93, that was the... The, the V8 option you can get. You get a 2.34 cylinder mm-hmm. for your base Mustang. Or if you got the LX50, like Vanilla Ice or, you know, the GT50, uh, that was a 302. And the funny part about a 302 cubic inch motor for Ford 
It's not 5.0. It's not 5 liters. If you do the conversion, yeah. which is 61.02, you either multiply or divide, I forget, to get cubic inches to liters displacement. Um, it's actually – I'm such a nerd. It's actually 4.9. This is why I have you here, Daryl. It's bad. It's like 4.9. I, I couldn't carry a car show by myself. Sure you could. No, I couldn't. Sure you could. <laughs> it's, not a, it's not a 5 liter motor. But it just sounds cooler. So, and then vanilla ice. You know, you can't say rolling in my four point nine. No, you can't. It doesn't sound as good. <laughs> so, uh, by the way, vanilla ice apparently still has the five liter from that video. I think. I, I, watched, find, I find that hard to believe, but he probably sold it and then bought it back. Maybe that might work when, <laughs> when he does ice repairs or what, what's his show? Yeah, I, building with ice. Something no. it was on like what DIY channel or yeah. something. Yeah. So he's just, he's an interesting guy. He's got a huge car collection. But none of them are – they're just different. I'll just say that. They're cool. They're just – none of them are my style. Yeah, okay. All right. This is a Velari over here. Yeah, right. That's what I would have. Now, um, so that's playing around a little bit with that, helping some friends here and there where I can. Um, swap meets are coming up here in February and March. There's some stuff going on at the fairgrounds, Expo Gardens. Oh, I think I saw that, yeah. Yeah, there's something in Pekin. I just saw, like, the American Legion's got a big car parts swap meet. Yes, I saw that, too. You know what you think about that? No, I just... Uh, look new. It's funny that some of that stuff popped up in my feed, but uh, I'm like, eh, I guess I'd go to that just to see. I mean, sometimes it'd be just be cool to pick up a, a sign or just a little trinket or something like that, you know. Definitely. Yeah. You never know what'll happen. I mean, the there's there's some some neat things coming in this I think this year is gonna bring some great local events, whether it's shows, swap meets, you know, cruise ins, things like that. Um so I'm looking forward to that. And uh let's see, nicer weather. You mentioned that. That was nice to get out today and the last couple of days we have had some mild weather and I thought, you know, I'm gonna get in the garage and, and I got some lighting. My my garage is mostly the 4K or 5K uh, LEDs, mm-hmm. which makes everything I own look terrible because mm-hmm. it lights up the finish. Oh, yeah. um, but I still had some under cabinet lighting and stuff by my workbench that was old fluorescent that I just had and I repurposed. Well, I've been finding these LEDs are so cheap now and they're so nice and bright and mm-hmm. my eyesight's terrible that when I'm working on something like rebuilding a car or I'm working on a bench, I need task lighting. Yeah. The overhead's just – I get shadows and yeah. stuff. I, yeah. I need the light. So I've been wiring some stuff up by my workbench, and uh, I'm I'm going to hopefully start making some progress here this summer on the uh, on the Cadillac, the 55 Cadillac. You have under counter lighting in your kitchen, don't you? Yeah, I've been on a kick with that too. Yeah, Angel. So when we were uh, at St. Jude, we had it at our apartment, and Angel loved it. It's nice. You flipped, this, but it was built into the electric switch. So you walk into the kitchen. And you flip one switch, and it was all the under cabinet lights. And you flip mm. the other one, it was the overhead light. And my God, yeah, it was so nice. Plus, you'd see all the crumbs you were leaving every time you make toast. Right? Well, that's <laughs> that's exactly right. So I put those. I got some big ones and put them in the kitchen. And the the next morning, yeah, I went to make coffee. Yeah, and I'm like right next to the toaster. It's just it's a mess. Like the counters <laughs> were so gross. I'm like, how? I wash these. My mm. wife and I clean the kitchen. Mm-hmm. I'm like, how? How many years have we been eating on dirty counters? So yeah, it's 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 good to keep your uh, keep your stuff clean. Yeah. So that's what I've been working on. I do want to put this out there as a public service announcement. And I know there's a couple listeners of the show who are uh, intent on listening to this this proclamation. Ooh. 2024 is going to be the year that I actually do replace the brakes on the Solera. You already bought them, didn't you? <laughs> I, bought, I bought them four years ago. <laughs> that's what I thought. Okay. I've got rotors, okay. calipers, hardware, emergency brake stuff. Your wife drives that f- car for pleasure all the time. It's Do you safe. love your wife, Daryl Scott? It, it's mostly safe. Yeah. It's just, you know. Sarah, don't take the Solara. Yeah. If so, Daryl says run over to get something at Hy-Vee, 
<laughs> Here's the keys of the Solara. It's like he's, an old Columbo. He's trying to kill you. Go down the hill. Oh, no brakes. <laughs> 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 And then uh, Peter Falk shows up in a trench coat. What happened here? Uh, let me get this straight. <laughs> <laughs> the car went down the hill with no so brakes. So you bought the brakes uh, four years ago. <laughs> There's receipts. I don't get it. Uh, anyways, no. So 2024, by the way, like four people got that joke and everyone else is like. Five. I go five. Who's Columbo? Yeah. Um, Solera is going to get new brakes in 2024. Mark my words. That is my campaign promise. To you. Excellent. Excellent. You'd be a great politician someday, Mr. Daryl Scott. No new taxes. All right. Uh, first section of the show, kind of a new section to the show, historical headlines. We brought some great stuff back. Daryl, what did you find this year in February history? Sure. Uh, well, I, I woke up this morning with a, a milestone that showed up in my Facebook feed. a kidney stone. All right. No, thankfully not yet, but uh, working on it. On this day, which is fe- we record here February 8th. Uh, 1993, February 8th, General Motors sues NBC for defamation over the exploding, quote, side saddle gas tanks. Remember that whole scandal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Dateline NBC and the the square body Chevy pickup that uh, when it gets in an accident, it just blows blows up into a a fireball. It was like defenseless getting T-boned, that poor thing. It was. Remember that footage? Yeah. It was like a citation hitting a square body, which, by the way, saddest picture ever. (laughs) Well, the citation was just like, please put me out of my misery. Just get get it over with. Were you going to buy a citation a while back? I like. Uh, yes. <laughs> GM apologist. Yes, and confirmed. Anyways, um, so that whole thing for for folks remember back in memory lane, General Motors produced a square body pickup from 1973 to 87. Uh, actually, a little bit longer in some of the other models, but anyways, uh, folks remember those. They're the iconic like a rock. Chevy truck, right? Everybody loves them. Mm-hmm. Now they're going for big money at Barrett Jackson and everywhere else. But back in the day, NBC, Dateline NBC, with Stone Phillips and yes, Jane Pauley. Right. Do you remember that? <laughs> yes. Uh, they were trying to make a name for themselves as Stone new. Stone Phillips. Stone. Whatever happened. I don't know what happened to him. Is he the guy who died because he's got the aneurysm in the tank or something? Who's that? Mm, that's Bob Woodruff. But I think he's. I don't know. I don't know. Google that. Kids at home. <laughs> anyways, Stone Phillips. Where is he now? I'm going to look. Go ahead and talk. So anyways, NBC put this, uh, they had Dateline NBC, which they probably still do, but it's all dumb. Anyways, they had a whole thing where they they were trying to dive into complaints that people that had gotten into accidents with the square body Chevy pickups of that certain era were getting into fiery crashes, basically. They were, you know, they either survived the crash and then burned in a fire. I mean, it was really bad stuff. But the complaint was the fuel tank sat on the outside of the fuel rail on those trucks, in between the fuel rail and the bedside. So a side impact could actually, you know, get, uh, trigger a, a catastrophic loss of fuel. Any kind of spark or heat, you know, would then set the th- truck on fire. So NBC, instead of basically investigating these claims, they decided they were going to do what they wanted to for TV, which was rig a crash test. Mm-hmm. And they took this citation, they took this truck, and they simulated a spark. So there wasn't a spark from the impact, but they simulated one with, like, remember the testers model rockets? Yeah. Estes. Estes. Yeah, that's what those Estes. Those model rockets we all built in, like, junior high and set them off as science class, they rigged those things up with these little charges. No. Those s- igniters? Yes, okay, yeah. the igniters. So they set it up and they're like, well, this is what, uh, like, let's say the headlights are on and it sparks. Poof, that's what it would be like. And over time, the public perception was these trucks are unsafe. There has to be a recall. 
millions of people are going to die because of these trucks. They're everywhere and they're unsafe. And how could General Motors put these trucks out there knowing that this is a safety hazard? Uh, and what wound up happening was GM took NBC to court and said, this is crap. You rigged this. This is not how real world happens. And they did issue some fixes. I think there were some, you know, um, they, they the Blazers and Suburbans, I believe, mm-hmm. their gas tanks are on the inside of the frame rail out back. Yeah. But that's where in the truck where the spare tire hit uh, sits. Yeah. So I think that that was their kind of their recall was like, OK, we'll put a different tank in it. But it's really not an issue. So anyways, this whole thing, I remember watching that, and it was a big deal, and there were people that were like, I'll never ride in a Chevy truck ever again. They're deadly. But people said the same thing. You remember the Pinto? Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. Crown Vicks had a big thing with the police package where they said the uh, in a rear crash that that fuel tank would rupture. Okay. So, you know, again, not necessarily the greatest design to have yeah. something hanging outside seem, it, the It frame. does seem kind of crazy to have a gas tank sitting up up in the, the body like that. But at the same time, it's wasted space. I totally it understand. Is. Yeah, I mean, and you're not thinking about a, a truck, you know, that, that's sitting up pretty high. You're not thinking about a car, you know, kind of coming at it and hitting it like that. Right. But, but the metal's so thin. Yeah, you don't want to be washing gasoline as the car gets T-boned, right? No. Yeah. Even back in the 60s, you know, the gas tanks were in the back of the cab on some of these trucks yeah. or you know station wagons that we all grew up with there was no room there because you had the, the third row seat in the back and you had your little footwell so the most of those crown vicks and chevys and stuff like that those fuel tanks were actually the same thing they were on the side in the passenger compartment in the, in the way back mm-hmm. and nobody really had any issue with those so i mean i get it but gm ate a lot of crow in that time period did. and nbc well you can talk about the integrity of journalism, but if you're if you're doing a regular crash test, it's probably best not to use uh, incendiary devices, yes, like a pyrotechnic show, to uh, to demonstrate a point that you're trying to make. Anyways, well, and getting back to what we all really want to know about Stone Phillips' career, <laughs> <laughs> I was I was just thinking. When did uh, he end he up? started out with ABC in 1992. He went for 15 years as a co-anchor with Jane Pauley and 11 years co-anchoring with. Ann Curry mm. on Dateline. Uh, he went on and did some interviews with uh, Abu Garib. Abu Peter Gabriel? Abu Garib prison scandal. Oh, that. Remember that thing? And they yeah. talked to Jeffrey Dahmer. He talked to Boris Yeltsin, Bernie Getz. A distinguished journalist. Yeah, yeah. He later, it later earned Phillips an Emmy Award for Outstanding Interview. He co-anchored the NBC, uh, Dateline NBC from its inception in 2007, and when NBC did not renew his $7 million contract, he resigned from that. In 2005, he was a guest premiere on the Colbert Report, and he did the <laughs> final Colbert Report in 2014. 2012, he did a PBS NewsHour show and did something for the Golf Channel. In 2013, did something on PBS called Moving in Grace about siblings caring for their aging parents. And that is it. He's done. He's done. You know what, though? That's beautiful. That's Johnny Carson and out, right? I mean, it's just like, did my thing. And now, obviously, he's a little sloppy towards the end. It's not total Johnny Carson. Yeah, but yeah. he's not. This is from 2013. The guy was born in 1954. You know what would be hilarious? He's like, I'm out. I'm done. Yeah, he's, he's, he's done his thing. It would be hilarious is if he collects square body Chevy pickups. <laughs> he's, got, he's got like a 78 4 by 4 I get it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you want to try and find the common ground with the guy, right? I All want right. to try something. I don't know. This, this, the, by the way, the screenshot, we'll put it up with a post. I remember watching, do you remember watching that video of the crash test? Yes. Those things exploding. They're, uh, 
there's the saddest death of any two vehicles I've ever seen in my life. So uh, I'll, I'll share that in our post. Now, sometimes celebrities do have car collections, stuff like that. I just typed in uh, Stone Phillips car collection. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing. So no, nah, he's boring. Yeah. Well. Okay. We'll, uh, he's we'll, not like a oh Tim Allen or a, <laughs> no Jason Momoa is I think John Cena. He's got like some four GTs and stuff. Oh. Yeah. He's he's. He's Jason into stuff. Momoa, Jason Momoa. Aquaman. Yeah. <laughs> Aquaman 4. All right. All right. Anyways, this is uh, – what, 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 what are we at here? Time for the – I'm going to try a new box here. You're going to try it's your special effects? The news. Hey, that worked out pretty good, didn't it? Sure. That's some <laughs> – that's some – my Firestone box. <laughs> we don't have any world news this week. We're going to skip right ahead to uh, national news. Used car prices well, – this is according to Automotive News – Used car prices will continue following this year, but affordability remains an issue for many buyers, said Jonathan Banks, vice president of the Product Development and Valuation Services at J.D. Power. Speaking at J.D. Power Auto Summit in Las Vegas, Banks said he expects used vehicle prices will fall 5.7% this year, more than the 3.5% decline in 2023, as the market continues to recover from the skyrocketing prices during the coronavirus pandemic. Hmm. Um, I think we're kind of seeing maybe a little bit of that, but boy, I tell you what, I look at Marketplace and I watch stuff on Bring a Trailer. It's still pretty strong. I, yeah. The prices seem stupid all over the place, don't they? I think so. I, I'm mostly looking at the older stuff, the collectible stuff, but I've noticed that as well. Yeah. I think that even things that 10 years ago wouldn't be collectible yeah. are commanding collectible prices just because they're they're there. Yeah. Uh, if something's runs, drives, it's presentable in and out, it's clean, whether it's late model or, or collectible, mm-hmm. it's going to command top dollar. I, I think also, in, in I don't think, I, I think this is probably another trend. The uh, price increases on so much stuff here as far as the new cars com- coming up in value. Mm-hmm. You know, if it, if it, and for example, say a new Tundra is $67,000, well, you're not going to be able to find a lightly used Tundra for thirty thousand dollars, then, right? I mean, no, that means they're going to be forty-five and fifty thousand dollars because if you can buy a new one for sixty, right? You know, they got to be hovering somewhere. So, what would have normally depreciated more? You know, maybe that truck wasn't even that much money brand new in some of these cases. They just because of the massive price increases on new vehicles, I think that's what's holding them up as well. You see a lot with luxury cars too. You'll see big sedans or things that people want. Let's say a Lexus, or they want a Cadillac that's you know three, you know two, three years old. Mm-hmm. Um, the depreciation is not what it used to be, and it seems like the active places that are selling those are off lease or rentals. Um, they're not getting them at like two years trade in. Nobody's trading them in. I think people are holding on to their stuff too. Yeah. I'd be curious to see. I don't know what the average at one point was. It twelve years. The uh, consumer was it the consumer the, the average life the lifespan or or the longest that consumers are holding on to their cars. I think during the pandemic it was they. Were, I think we were up to twelve years at some point, which I thought was pretty intense. Um, Ten was always the magic twelve point one. So the typical wow. Yeah, this is just I, just a quick Google resort. Report. <laughs> Report? Or search, maybe, Colbert is what report. I meant to say. Yeah. The typical car meant to last around 14 years. It's no surprise that the average car when vehicles uh, on the road have, has increased to 12.1 years. Mm. That's some kind of an article from Zebra. But 12.1 years, that's the average right now. Yeah, It's up there. And that's that probably a- directly related to the costs, right? I would think. Well, I think... In my perception, cars are built so much better these days. Cars built in the last 10 or 15 years, 
they you you don't accept stupid failures like you used to back in the day. You know, yeah. there was a time when you you'd have an oil leak from a car right off the, the lot. You you would accept some of that stuff. I yeah. think cars are built so much better right now. And I think maybe now we've made the turn where there's too many electronics, but I think there was a, a peak time there before we went totally digital in the cars that I think they had great motors, great technology, dual overhead cam, uh, internal timing chains. There's just a lot of stuff. Build quality was good. Yes, yeah. yeah. So I think a lot of these cars are going to last a long time. I, just, I see cars all the time from the mid-2000s. I'm just like, man, these cars won't die. I'll yeah. see, yeah, to your point, I'll see stuff that'll show up on Marketplace and you'll see, you know, Camrys, you'll see even, you know, Mercedes, even yeah. Explorers with 200 some thousand on yeah. it. And it's still a clean, presentable car. Yeah. And yeah. there's no rust. That's the other thing, too. The only areas that I still see like rust, corrosion issues are, are full size trucks for some. <laughs> And it's only G. I'm looking at you, GM, and I'm looking at you, Chrysler. But uh, I don't understand why that's still a thing. But for the average family sedan, I remember growing up, my folks, you know, my dad had the family station wagon painted twice in 10 years. Wow. Because the thing had rust pops yeah. or bubbles or yeah. something like that. Because after a few years, to your point, you'd be like, oh, I got a little blister here. Well, it's a couple years old. Yep. Yep. I got some oil in the driveway. Oh, well, just keep topping it exactly. off. Exactly. I mean, everybody had spotted driveways when we were kids, right? Yeah. So we parked the car, and it's always got a few droplets there. <laughs> I always love that when you're going to play. <laughs> my, grandpa, a- my grandpa had carpet samples always in his garage. Just like thrown under there? For, to that's, where, that's where the Cadillac parked. Yeah. You know, just, just, yeah. Do you ever, you ever play basketball at a friend's house where their, <laughs> their parents have junk cars and, like, every time you, you come home, you're... I look like I played hoops. Come on. <laughs> well, that was a thing. In the suburbs, I guess that was a big deal. You, you, you'd shoot hoops after school or whatever. But, yeah, we had a couple friends where their parents, their, their cars were junk. And I remember going home and my mom's like, you know, what have you been doing? Just playing over at Eric's house. Or... Sweating. <laughs> look like you're working a Jiffy Lube. Go wash your hands before you eat dinner, you... <laughs> Cretan, you this was probably after you got drenched in the trans fluid that you slept in, right? Oh, it's gross. A good a, time, a simple that's a, time. That's a great story. I don't remember what episode that is, but it's somewhere back there in the back history. It is. Right. We, we should have an index of Daryl Scott stories. I'll work on that. Yeah. Uh, next story from Reuters: U.S. hybrid sales have been rising as consumers balk at EV prices and are anxious about the range of electric cars, especially more rural areas where there could be long distances between charging stations. Battery EVs are not as widely accepted in the Midwest as they are on the West Coast and other parts of the United States, Davis said. Not sure who Davis was, but that's from Reuters. You can check that. I'll put a link on the show. Um, it was John the- Davis, creator of Garfield. Oh, yeah. That's who it was. Jim. Jim Davis? <laughs> John Davison? No, who's the guy on John Motor John Davison's the hairy Motor guy Week. from, uh, oh, that guy. The one you <laughs> did I slam him on the last show enough? You were going to. I, I think I was going to go merciless. Sorry, I on Auto Week, you. yeah, Auto Week, the PBS show. I, I'm going down, going down. Anyway, um, <laughs> let's let's get back on track. I'm, I'm sorry. pretty sure WGN or somebody had a giant expose here recently during the big cold snap, negative 15 degrees in in Chicago or they Wisconsin did. or something like that. Yeah. There were lines of Teslas, and most of them were Uber drivers who were lament, lamenting their life choices because. They couldn't sit on the charger long enough to even get a $20 fare and drive around and then come back to have to charge. And, oh, by the way, the charging stations are all full, so they're going to sit in line for even longer than that. So mm-hmm. uh, I, articles like that, I'm sure, put a heavy damper on an EV buying this winter, right? They certainly seem to put a, put a uh, sales flyers up everywhere because <laughs> right after that bad press, I'll yeah. say there was a wave of bad press with that cold snap, specifically in the Midwest, but elsewhere, I'm sure. 
um, because, you know, climate change. Anyways, the fun part about that is that right after all that, every Ford dealer was like, Mach-E is discounted, eleven grand off MSRP, and yeah. Ford Lightning's this and that. Everybody was, was kind of doing a little... Marketing damage control. Toyota's not because I, I wanted to buy Angela BZ4X. I, I still think that's a great car for her. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I walked into the sales office. I'm like, you know, ours is still in the lot for sale, and these things aren't in high demand. We're in the Midwest. Surely there's a good deal on these. I'm like, yeah, they got uh, lease cash or something like that. I'm like, really? They're not really. You've, no, in yeah. their depreciation. I'm sorry. You know, hand to God. Everybody knows I'm a Toyota shill. I will I will preach Toyota all day long. Yeah, no. That's but the right. three year depreciation on the BZ4X is like sixty percent. The residual is a forty percent. It's the worst Toyota ever in the lease, leasing stable. But is it like that with a lot of other EVs? I mean, that Tes- I don't know. I can't. Teslas speak, are different. I can't but... speak to that. But I can say this: as far as Toyota goes, that that car has the biggest depreciation you could possibly get. Off sticker price. I wonder if you did the same thing with like a two-year-old because the Machi has been out for several years now. Yeah. Or if you did, uh, you know, you get, what's... You get hammered on depreciation on that. You yeah, think? yeah, could be... be, could be. Just because that secondary market, there's still that the, the, the concern over oh batteries. I don't well, want to replace you batteries. Ten, you got a ten-year, hundred fifty thousand mile warranty. I think on the Toyota. Mm-hmm. But what happens after if you're hundred sixty thousand miles? That battery goes bad. Can it be serviced? Do you have to replace the whole thing? I'm a Toyota dealer. I don't even know what you do with that thing. Is it serviceable? Right. Likely not. Well, Leafs, we talked to previous shows, too, about Leafs come off Leafs. I'd like to talk to a Nissan guy and to see what, what they did with those. When I was over in the U.K., they were all over the place. Sure. all. But I think they've got a smaller range. They're, you know. But honestly, you know, you could pick one up off Leafs for mid-teens, upper teens. Yeah. Or 20s, whatever it is now. It's still not that bad for something that's just a couple years old yeah. if you're looking for a commuter. Well, and that's my thing. Three years from now, if there's a BZ4X that comes out that's that somebody drove down and got the 60% knocked out of it, and I can buy it for 40%. Yeah, that's a good deal. It is a good deal. And then I can drive that for the next seven years and have warranty on the battery and everything. Yeah, that's not a bad deal then. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, anyway, anyways. I, I really do believe, I think Toyota was uh, was very shrewd in not buying into the EV game in the long run. I think I, there's a place for EVs, but when we're out here in the middle of nowhere, it's either a third car, it can't be your primary car because we just drive too far. You know, So yeah. range will get handled. When range gets handled, weight will get handled. And those two factors are what's holding EVs back anyway. And cost. But yeah. yeah. No, I get you. I get you. What's this third story here? Shelly Zalis? Shelly Zalis. Well, this was a uh, kind of a, a nice article because it kind of ties into a local podcast uh, from the Toyota Chicago region. But Shelly Zalis says more women in auto retail is good for business. Car dealers are looking to boost their dealership profits may want to consider a more inclusive hiring strategy. If you want to add more revenue to your dealership, in quotation marks here, do the right thing. It's good for business, said Shelly Zalis, CEO of the Female Quotient, which seeks to advance the equality in the workplace and raise the visibility of women across industries, including automotive. Amy Cuddy, a social psychologist and best-selling author, also challenged the auto industry to reimagine their power and how it's conveyed in the workplace. And if those are interesting subjects to you, I do recommend Get In Her Lane podcast. Uh, Toyota executives and employees from the Chicago region, they have a show. It's uh, pretty great. They actually had me on for their very first show, which is humbling in some ways. Uh, It's taken from the view of women who are in the automotive industry and how they've had to build their careers in traditionally uh, male industry. So check that out. Get in Her Lane podcast. I 
They're on the web, by the way, getinherlane.com. They've got a really awesome website with all their uh, episodes and then a whole bunch of reviews, things like that. How cool is that to work at a business Mm. that sponsors your podcast? So the Toyota Chicago region allows these employees to get together, interview, bring people in, and that's, that's part of their job. And it's a big deal. Yeah, I think it's pretty great. Yeah, they're out there on all the platforms too, so definitely check them out. Yeah. I will say, um, uh, every vehicle that we bought uh, since you know the history of ever, uh, it's it, I, I, I've not worked with a with a female salesperson. Uh, really haven't, except for Jeep. There was a uh, the, um, the woman who ran the service department there for a while. I don't know if she's still there. Lynn Curley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's still there. Is she? Right. She was cool. I like her. Um, but yeah, it was, she's a staple. It's one of those. It's one of those things, though, where typically, even in this day and age, when a lot of other industries, you know, I don't want to say diversity, but just there is, there's been an eye on diversity, or, or just that experience is not what it used to be. There's still this perception, and in many cases, you know, that walking into a car dealer to buy a car, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, it's going to be some guy putting the full court press on me to mm-hmm. do whatever. Uh, and for a lot of women, I think that's uh, that's super intimidating. So it's good to hear that perspective. It's good to hear from areas where you know that that diversity is kind of exemplified in in that experience in certain certain fields, and also um, I hate to say this, but there is still some psychology that you know it doesn't matter what field you're in. Uh, if you're in sales specifically, there's a lot of psychology that goes into you know interacting with people mm-hmm. and you know the male demographic of a car buyer is going to be different than female in some ways and shapes and forms what we look for what we it's it's interesting to see things like colors or style or performance or safety like there's certain things that are just different and if you have salespeople that kind of grasp that and understand the different demographics that make up your customer base mm-hmm. and what features appeal to those people it's a powerful selling tool it really is it, I, we have a female salesperson at the dealership right now, and we've had a handful over the years. Um, in service, I, yeah, I, I still I, not so much. I hate the way customers treat female service advisors. It's uh, really they have to be battle axes to deal with some of these guys because so many times we had uh, Janice was my last female service advisor. Yeah, yeah. Uh, people would be like, "Can I speak to a man? Can I, can I talk?" They to actually me? say that. Oh, yeah. And she would just be like, sure, and just click, put them on hold, and just hand them off somebody because she was not going to put up with their crap. You just, know? just, just giving them a ration of BS. Yes, just, because they're because they're a female. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> can, I, can I talk to a man? What? What? Who says that? Could I could expect that from somebody who's like seventy five years old? A lot of plus. times, a lot of times, it's the greatest generation. That's, is it? It is. Yeah. yeah. And even their spouses are just as bad. <laughs> They've been trained by their husbands. <laughs> When my wife worked at a bank for a long time, somebody somebody said, "Look, girly girl," to her or something. And one time, is this the music man? What? Yeah, she's like, what? <laughs> "Did I wander what is this into Iowa? What? <laughs> my right here in River City, girly girl? Is there trouble? Uh, no, it's just one of those things where she, I think she she went home and she, she I think she even had somebody say that to her in like college, like a college professor called wow. her girly girl or something one time, or, yeah. and she's just like. I can't believe, like, what are we doing? Yeah. So, no, I I think that's a great podcast. The perspective is phenomenal. And, uh, yeah, I've given that a listen when 
Wow, they've been out there for a couple years they've now. They've done a good job, yeah, so yeah. I give them big credit for that. Right on. All right. Uh, next one, this one's you here. What do we got here? Yeah, this came up. This is an interesting read, um, and it was in The Guardian, uh, and it's called, the title of the article is Seismic Shift, Driving Unaffordable for Many U- many in U.S. Amid Push Towards SUVs. Luxury vehicles, production cuts, and soaring insurance prices have sent the cost of U.S. car ownership out of control. It's quite a headline, but uh, anyways, they were saying coming from the Brits, right? Yeah, so this thing, I'll I'll paraphrase here a little bit because um, it is a great article. It starts talking about the cost. Uh, it uses a couple examples of people trying to use their car for work and how expensive it's become due to insurance and everything else. Uh, but the average new car today sells for nearly forty nine thousand dollars. That is true. It's like forty eight and change. Average used car lists at more than twenty six thousand dollars. That represents a 31% increase for new cars and a nearly 40% increase for used cars since the year 2020. And that's according to uh, recent data from Cox Automotive. Increases have brought the total cost of car ownership to all-time highs in a country where cars really are not optional. And that's despite easing of inflation and supply chain issues that have snarled the auto industry during the pandemic. So why are consumers still getting squeezed? Well, they go into basically talking about cost increases during the pandemic uh, automakers, they kind of lay the f- blame of this a little bit at automakers' feet, saying that automakers use the pandemic basically to kind of stop making cheaper models, make more luxurious, more expensive, lucrative models for them, get rid of lines that they didn't want to have to support. You know, if you look back, you know, you look at Ford's portfolio here in the states, they make cars mm, everywhere else in the world, but mm-hmm. here in the states, if you want a car, you buy a Mustang. And then you go right into their SUVs or trucks. Yep. That's it. Um, so there might be some truth to that. Uh, I'll skip some of this, but they, they do call that phenomenon trimflation, where they basically you know look towards higher profit margin products and uh, you know luxury cars, SUVs, loaded trim. You know, really, you don't see the economy car that much anymore. Well, and that's where the imports are starting to excel again. I mean, this is yeah. What, you know, if if people want it. And it's not there. They're going to find it. And if that means cars start coming from Japan or China, if we start getting like VinFast or one mm-hmm. of these other brands that start showing up, washing on our shores, sure, uh, it's because the the lack of affordable cars from you know the ones in our nation here. It's it's terrible, really. It is. It is. The last few cars that uh, friends my age and 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 younger have, have purchased are not these big loaded cars. They're yeah. like things like Corollas. Yeah. They're things like Kias. They're things that, that are, you know, an Accord, like an Accord LX. Yeah. That's not uh, a big $49,000 car. I mean, they're still up there, but they're not these big extravagant types of things. Well, I look at my son's RAV. He uh, has a mid-2000s RAV, and he comes home and he parks it next to the 4Runner I drive, which 4Runner's not huge by any means. That RAV4 is pretty small. Yeah. And, I mean, literally, like the whole cargo compartment of my 4Runner difference in size mm-hmm. you know we don't make anything like that anymore the corolla cross that i was talking about earlier uh might be the closest thing but it's still a bigger car than that rav and uh it it is crazy to think we don't just we don't offer any smaller more affordable cars and then when we try and do them they're like a work with mazda or something like that that oh god doesn't don't, don't doesn't pan start, out <laughs> don't get me started on the yaris ia or whatever the heck that thing is right. i remember Ma- those mazda three or whatever it is in, yeah. in, in sheep's clothing <laughs> yeah well it's interesting they also hit on this article a couple of issues one is the rising cost of insurance which is legitimate you know i've uh, heard point. everybody's gone up 
really crazy this year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we we have, and I don't know, just personally, we we we've got State Farm, and we're not very crazy with with our coverage, but we've noticed a, a little bit of a bump. Um, and they also talk about the fair point here is urban planning here in the United States, by mm-hmm. and large, unless you're in a major metro area. Or uh, you know, living downtown, kind of doing the urban hipster thing. You're really still relying on a vehicle. Sure. And th- I don't think there's any way around that for many, many years. As much as no. we try to push there, that, there never will be in this neck of the woods. There never will be public no. transportation help everybody out. That's that. That's a fact. Even Los Angeles, which they always talk about, well, the city was built around cars. Yeah, they have. They, yeah. they That's just how they were. That's how that part of the country evolved. I don't think you're ever going to you know, reverse time and, and no matter how much you incentivize things like walkable communities and riding your bike everywhere, which is great, or a, a very robust public transportation system, yeah. it's still not Europe. You're not going to get to that point where, you know, things are connected via public transit any which way. Yeah. And it's affordable. It's easier. And by the way, it's 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 reliable and efficient. Here in the States, if you try to take, you know, a, a CTA bus or you try to take an Amtrak, good mm-hmm. luck. Yeah. You know, that's just still where we're at. So, Well, I, I mean, I can tell you this, though, even because I, I, th- I think about this now a lot after spending time in Rome for a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I think about downtown Pekin. You know, yeah. in your, if you're in Rome, you can walk everywhere down the middle of the street because cars are secondary. And right. it isn't even a matter of public transportation. People just walk. So right. I would never in my life walk from St. Joseph's Church over to McQuett's Railhouse. I'd be like, yeah, I've got to cross all these roads and walk on sidewalks. If I'm in a city like Rome or Chicago or something like that, I'm like, oh, that's not that far of a walk. You don't think about it. You don't. <laughs> you just go. I would just, but I would be like, I'm not going to leave my car four blocks away or six, blo- maybe six or eight blocks away in country blocks like we have here. Mm-hmm. It's funny our perception. We we are so trained to just drive our car and put it in the parking lot. We don't walk unless we have to. Yeah. I don't know. There's no right answer, but it's certainly not going to change anytime soon. The other thing I'll say too, I, I sometimes think when I see like the cars. And the scooters sitting around at the charge station, stuff like that. These, oh, these, yeah, these yeah. share vehicles. Uh-huh. You know, maybe there's some answers in that stuff, but we we live in an area where it's it's negative fifteen degrees sometimes. We can't leave scooters out on the sidewalk, can we, to help us out? That's probably not wise. Yeah. And then also, I've seen pictures of those things going in a landfill. Where they're, you know, they, the company's like, oh, these are aging out. We're going to get new ones. And they yeah, just. Doesn't that make you feel them. warm and fuzzy? Yeah. Yeah. So, again, I know that there's solutions, there's ways that we can do better. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to sound like Stuart Smalley, like, we can, we can, you know, <laughs> God, motivational. Gosh darn it, gosh, people gosh, like me. But at the same time, you're still, you're never going to put that genie back in the bottle there. That, that this country was built, designed, urban planning. And I do still want to talk to your friend who's uh, all about Eric Reeder. Thing. We got Eric Reeder on the show. Absolutely. And all, all of that. So we can talk about the hideous placement of the, uh, the burger bar. What is that burger place? Freddy's. Freddy. <laughs> nice Peoria. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Planning and zoning, line two. Get them yeah, on the horn. Exactly. Exactly. All right. All right. We do have one article in local news. This is kind of big news. It's uh, Rivian news. This is from, uh, and this is stolen shamelessly from WEK. It's our local NBC affiliate. This came out on September, September 27th. Stone Phillips worked there. Right. I'm not sure this date's right. Anyway, uh, Normal, Illinois, a union with almost 600,000 members is seeking to expand its ranks by organizing thousands of workers who build electric vehicles at the Rivian, Rivian Automotive in Normal, Illinois. The unionization effort has gained attention of Senator Dick Durbin. 
he's our Democratic senator in Illinois, who brought up the topic Wednesday during a meeting in Washington with Rivian founder R.J. Scringe. I'm sure R.J. was loving this conversation. <laughs> the International Association of Machinists, IAM for short, has created the Rivian Auto Union website stating that workers at the plant are demanding fairness, respect, and a voice at the job. Workers are being asked to sign authorization cards. There's an interest IAM will file a petition with the National Labor Relations Board and will soon hold hearings to determine whether the factory can be represented by the union. The NLRB would then hold an election. Meanwhile, Senator Durbin on Wednesday urged Scoringe to support the workers' collective bargaining efforts. Rivian took a chance in normal Illinois, and it has paid off. Illinois is a leader in electric vehicle production, not only because of the unrelenting efforts of Rivian and its employees, Durbin said in a comment. In the meetings with Rivian CEO R.J. Scoringe today, I reiterated my support for the company's mission while reminding our Mr. Scaringe that Rivian employees deserve the benefits and security offered by a union if they so choose, Durbin said. Well, <laughs> I don't like to read verbatim word for word, but there's a lot of good stuff in that. Yeah, yeah. This this plant that Rivian's in is not very far from us. So, of course, we talk a lot about Rivian on this show. It's about 25, actually, from my house right here, it's probably about 20 miles as a crow flies, right? Um yeah, not for It has taken the place of a former Chrysler and Mitsubishi plant, which I believe over the years, that plant was built in the 80s, maybe late 70s, early 80s. It was never union, was it? That one? Oh, that's a good question. That's a good question. I don't know if they were or not. I'd when they were to... Diamond Star, I don't... Well, they could have been UAW when they were Diamond Star. Being a joint venture with Chrysler, they might have been. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, we're a northern state. I have to think they were a union at some point. I don't know. Yeah. It's but, highly likely. I know a lot of the Toyota plants aren't. No. At least. Well, most any manufacturing shop, whether it's Mercedes, Volkswagen, Hyundai, yeah. all, all those brands that are south of the Mason-Dixon line, right. they just pay them higher wages than, than the normal repressed wages in the south. Right. If you pay somebody $25 an hour down there to build a car, they're like happy as a pig in poop, right? Right. Yeah. Whereas up here... In the northern states, you know, they see those guys in Detroit making $53 an hour to build cars. Nobody's going to be happy with that. The biggest thing, I'll, I'll say this, and, and this is true commentary. This is live local late-breaking here from uh, <laughs> central Illinois. I hired a kid from Rivian here a couple months ago, and he was a welder. He was on the line. He was working third shifts. Been there three years. Been there really since the start of the place. Okay. And when I was talking to him, I'm like, why do you want to leave? You got you At this point, you've been there a couple of years. You're working six days a week. You got to have buckets of money. He goes, "That it's great. He goes, I will admit I'm going to lose money if I leave the place. But he said all the time, the CEOs and all these emails, they talk about work-life balance, work-life balance. And he goes, it must be for management because he said, I can't get off the six days. It's mandatory six days for me. Really? Yes. So and, you're you're just they're just grinding and grinding and grinding on the line, and then you get Sundays off, and then he's back to work on Monday. Yeah, and he said, oh, meanwhile, my friends are off Friday nights, having their weekends and all mm-hmm. that. It's like it's not worth it, you know. Especially if you're a younger guy, that's uh, it Ab- starts to <laughs> eat at you a little bit. Yeah. Well, let me ask that. There's, I I have the feeling that the the plant here is is doing its thing, but they are supposed to release their second model. Which is not going to be, be built a third, here. Be a third model, a third model yeah. which is not going to be built here. Correct. That's that was speculation. So they did the little launch thing, but I, has that even been released officially? I, I heard they're doing a press release where they're coming out with a smaller it's model. Kind of slowly. It's kind of been a, a terrible secret. Plus, I think they've also patented a, a motorcycle or a bicycle or something. They're going to do an electric bike 
Yay. Um, <laughs> you can hike to work <laughs> in 15-degree weather. There you go. Uh, <laughs> but uh, the, the whole kink in that, that third model is they're saying it's going to be built at the Georgia factory. Well, the Georgia factory is light years from being built, as far as I can tell. They've never agreed on the property. We can we can reinvestigate that because we talked about it on previous shows, right? Right. That the, the, the model's supposed to come out in 2026, but the plant in Georgia hasn't even broke around yet. Or mm-hmm. if it did, it was it's like, it should be completed soon. Like, okay. So there's another, again, more question marks, and you have this kind of fluid timeline. Uh, it, it, the, the, I guess their, their third model is going to be called, what, the R2? The R2. Yeah. It's supposed to be a compact SUV and pickup. So pretty much the second verse, same as the first. Uh, but they're going to build that in their, uh, their Georgia plan. So, so AP News uh, back in October said Georgia and Rivian agreed to construction. First phase of Georgia factory will proceed in 2024. Uh, one month ago, judge dismisses zoning challenges to the Rivian EV plant, which I think is one of the things they've been holding up. Yeah, they've and, had some issues down there for sure. Yeah, and Rivian secures massive Georgia land deal for EV plant and R2 electric vehicles. That was back in November. So they, I mean, God, will they still have $40 billion, something like that to play with? Mm-hmm. And But they're burning a couple billion a quarter. I mean, this is... Amazon did this. I remember we all thought Amazon was insane years ago. You'd be like, "How could they lose money every quarter?" And they're and they're still together. Mm-hmm. You know, and, but at that point, it's like faith based. It's uh, uh, crowdfunding. I just don't feel like Rivian has that juice like Tesla did, and like Amazon has. So. They still have. I don't know, man. I I still I see what you're saying, but yeah. they they've managed to pull this off so far, now, and I'm, I'm seeing a lot more of them on the roads. A lot more. Eh, I see a few. I will say this also. Um, I heard an article that they were storing a bunch of Rivians now on uh, State Farm South's campus. Mm. Do you see that article? No. So they're filling up the parking lots over there. Their parking lot at the old Diamond Star, the Rivian factory, is chock full. Yeah. It is filled with vans. Now, their excuse is, excuse, their commentary on that is that Amazon's not taking them as quickly as they'd like to get them to Amazon, which I find suspect. Like Amazon's the biggest retailer in the world, so besides Walmart, maybe. But uh, but I, think of the infrastructure you need, though. Yeah. Look at the infra- – okay. Uh, did Have you ever gotten gas at the Casey's there off of 98? Yeah. That Amazon warehouse? Yeah. In the afternoons? Yeah. Mornings and afternoons oh, geez, where it's just – just It's insane. I, I'm surprised you've driven by there. Uh, yeah, I was I was out that way one time. Today there was a tour of it. Uh, it was a business after hours for the Chamber of Commerce. I was going to go. You should. I wanted to, but uh, you, should. I, you were more important to me, Daryl. Oh, I appreciate that. <laughs> no, but the amount of people they're refueling at that Casey's, and they're all Amazon delivery trucks. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I, I, this is insane. I waited forever to get a pump. I felt, I felt like a Tesla owner in winter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, but I, so, so I went there and waited my turn, got in there, and it was. I, I'm not kidding. There was probably 30 to 40 Amazon vans filling in and out by the at time. At Casey's? Yes. Oh, my God. It was insane. And I went in, I got a Gatorade. And a slice of pizza because Casey's. Yeah. And uh, you got, got, Casey's got my place? rewards. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm learning from you. <laughs> but I said to the lady at the counter, uh, the, the cashier, I said, um, is it like this all the time? She goes, yep, every day at like 9 and 4, or like whatever, the shifts yeah. where the Amazon guys are doing it. So I could see the reason why uh, a lot of those distribution centers in Amazon wouldn't take those because it would be an infrastructure investment like nothing. Sure. Uh, to put chargers, to run Electric cables, things like that, and if if the facility's set up for it, great. Mm-hmm. If not, 
I would think they would have to spend more money to get those things well, set up. Well, and then again, Midwest. I mean, cold weather. Yeah. Uh, we have long routes here. So I mean, you're, you're going to have to ship those things down south. You've got to put them to urban areas. I mean, obviously, the reason you want to have an EV delivering stuff is because you don't want emissions. So that makes have, sense. You want to have that in a downtown. I mean, in, put Atlanta, it in, LA in Atlanta, in LA. Houston. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, Houston, for sure. Any place there's smog, just fill it with electric delivery vehicles. And it's not uh, easy to get those things. Like, at least at the uh, Rivian plant there, they've got that rail line, that spur line that they can load up a bunch of them in a boxcar and, and yeah. ship them, auto transport. But those are those are so huge. So I imagine it's taking a while to get those things distributed. But, yeah, interesting. I wish them I wish them the best. I think Rivian's really making some, some top-notch quality products, and I really like that SUV and that truck a lot. Mm-hmm. I think their fit and finish is great. Um, Making a lot of racket over here, sorry. I don't know. I wish, I wish the stuff was built more here at normal, I, especially with all the amount that they've invested in that factory. I hate to see that stuff go to Georgia, but I also understand you have to diversify. and Got to get that know. cheaper labor, babe. That's eh, probably what <laughs> it is. Come on, RJ. We know what RJ's all about. It's probably Cheap labor. <laughs> Could be. <laughs> Union schmunion. I'm RJ Scringe. As long as they have public supermarkets and I can get a sub there, maybe, oh, there maybe I'll go what work about in Winn Georgia. Dixie? You ever been to a Winn-Dixie? Yeah. Like Wendix, yeah. the beef people, the beef people. <laughs> Are they the beef people? That was their slogan. <laughs> okay, it has been a while. It's been a couple episodes. Are you ready for this? I think I think it's time. Don't, don't bother. We no. Don't, yeah. Let's just. I'll I'll backfill that. <laughs> right. It's time for your moment of must. All right. It's been a while. It's been a while. This feels good. I'm gonna tell you what. This can be a long one because it's extra weird. Elon Musk had twins with his top Neuralink executive, but they never dated. She explains, he wants smart people to have kids, so he encouraged me to, and he's the person she admires most in the world. This is from Gene Mancini in Yahoo Finance. Elon Musk, a visionary Tesla person and SpaceX person, he's known for his distinct approach to family as detailed in his biography by Walter Isaacson. The book shed light on Musk's rationale for having multiple children with different women, emphasizing his belief on intelligent people should procreate. Siobhan Zillis, the senior executive of Neuralink, a company that Musk has helped establish, played a pivotal role in this narrative. Initially contemplating sperm donation for childbirth, Zillis was persuaded by Musk. You know you want to have it. Anyway, to consider him as a donor, a proposal that aligned with Musk's advocacy for the procreation among amongst the intellectually inclined. Apparently, idiocracy rang a little too close to him. He wanted to make sure something happened here. He really wants smart people to have kids. He so encouraged me, Zillis said. When faced with a choice between anonymous donor and Musk, whom she greatly admires, Zillis described the decisions as straightforward. If the choice between an anonymous donor or doing it with a person you admire most in the world, for me, it was pretty effing easy decision, she said. Sounds like a genius at Neuralink. Genius. Genius. <laughs> genius. <laughs> Highly intelligent. <laughs> the arrangement, according to Zillis, was also perceived as something that would make him make him very, very happy. I'm sure it would. <laughs> you can have your CEO wrapped around your waist. Anyway, initially... She said she didn't expect him to be very involved. He's a father of multiple children with two other women. Oh, my God, why should he pay attention to my children? In the biography, she explained she assumed he would take a more godfatherly role with the twins. However, he's been actively involved with their lives. So we should get some applause for that. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> their decision to have children. 
But that works, too. Their decision to have children together, despite not having a romantic relationship, stems from much broader concerns about global decline in population. He has frequently voiced his his importance of reversing the trend, especially among those with high intelligence, viewing it as crucial for civilization survival. I'm going to keep reading this, folks, because this is the weirdest stuff I've ever read, okay? This is is up there. (laughs) In July of 22, Musk took to X, and he expressed his commitment to addressing the underpopulation crisis by posting, "Doing Doing my best to help the underpopulation crisis. A collapsing birth rate is the biggest danger civilization faces by far. The post was just one day after an insider reported the court documents daily detailing Miss Musk's and Zillis petitions for twins' names to be changed to include Musk's surname and incorporate Zillis's last name into the middle name, according to Forbes. On July 29th, Musk took a significant step with Neuralink announcing the first successful implant of brain-reading device in a person, marking a milestone into merging the human cognition with technology. This advancement, coupled with a unique approach to family, highlights his multifaceted strategy to foster a smarter, more capable future generation. His life straddling groundbreaking technological innovations and personal choices like fathering children with smart people reflects his complex approach to solving global challenges from combating population decline to pioneering brain-computer interfaces. And that, oh my God, that (laughs) is your long-winded moment of Musk. Do you feel smarter after reading that? Boy, that's Zilla. She's smart. She does. She cashed in on twins, man. If she only had one, she'd get a lot less money. So I love. The she's quote. the smartest one in the room. That quote was great. I'm gonna go with the effing smartest guy. It's pretty effing easy decision. <laughs> that's the kind of person. Never mind. Um, <laughs> that's who's running Neuralink. Yeah, that's who, that's who's running a, a yeah. brain implant company. Yeah, exactly. CEO, right? Miss Zillis. Yeah, that's cool. I want to know what the na- first names of the kids. I mean, he puts like Andromeda X-ray four or something like that. I mean, he's like Frank Zappa with his names of his kids, right? We got Moon Unit. I mean, we got Rover. Are we sure know? he's not a ham radio enthusiast? He maybe he yeah. might because it's like you know. <laughs> It sounds like a call sign. Might have been. K9MAQQ. It's literally the Rosebud situation from Citizen Kane. He's naming people after his first, like, RCA radio. Uh You know, the XK9 transistor radio he had. (sighs) I love you, you, XK9. You know what you could do is, you know, if if you have that much money, just buy a star and name name a star or whatever you want to name it. You know, Daryl, with modern technology, anybody can afford to own a star. Really? Yes. It's really I think that the, the affordable. Star, the Star Registry. I think for seventy nine ninety five, I can get a star name for you and Sarah. Wow, I do have a structured settlement, and I need cash now. <laughs> so maybe I'll call. I can hook you up, man. Interesting. Now the whole thing, um, the Neuralink stuff. I'll be honest with you. Does that scare you at all, dude? This this thing that people are putting those uh, those binoculars on the the Apple things. Mm-hmm. That's scary enough. I watched a commercial. We were watching a football game the other day, and it showed the person, like, winking and, like, moving stuff. And then their kids, like, run around, and the, and the dad is chopping vegetables. And he looks over at the kid and, like, does something with the kid like he's playing with him. But he's really watching whatever's on his screen. I Okay. I know he's doing that because he's wearing the goggles. Uh-huh. How horrible, horribly frightening is it to think that somebody could have something stuck in their head and now they could be talking to me. I could be talking to you right now, Daryl, but I'm, instead I'm watching like Seinfeld and this, you right. know, in my brain. But you're still only a human brain. So you can only process one thing. Like you might be watching Cannonball Run 2. Yeah. 
And then when I ask you a question, like, right, Eric? You're like, yeah. huh? Yeah. Like, you have to chaos. St- no, <laughs> <laughs> right. You'd still, you'd still have this, huh? What? Like, yeah. And then you go right back to grade school where you're like, are you not paying attention, Mr. Stahl? <sighs> Did you get that? Did you get that a lot in school? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Trust me. We could do a whole podcast about uh, horrible Horrible grade school incidents. Where the yeah. teacher throws yeah. a question. Okay, and uh, next we have to who is who is Benvolio in yeah. Shakespeare's story? Eric. <laughs> huh? <laughs> you're, you're, you're over there like doodling in a notepad. Yeah, absolutely. Um I, I just just the weirdest damn thing, man. I tell you what. Let's get Neuralinks. You wanna get that for, no. for each other? No, I mean the, the nice thing is all people want me to podcast with them. I could just have the neural I'll be at work. And I'm podcasting with him, right? <laughs> You're just live streaming <laughs> some stream of consciousness yeah, thought. Yeah, right. <sighs> I don't know. I think I already. I think I, I already have too many outlets. I, at some point, who wants to hear all the stuff pouring out of our heads? Or how much stuff do we need to consume? The future sucks. It does. The future sucks, and Neuralink is not part of it. And that. we're part of the content battle. Maybe we should just pack this. I should just slap my laptop shut right now and say, you know what? We're part of the problem, Daryl. Mm, maybe. Maybe. Maybe not this episode. No, this one's okay. Okay. All it's right. not bad. See us at 87. We All may right. shut the laptops up. We might. <laughs> Let's just go old school. All right. But we can't do that because... If we if we shut the laptops now, we wouldn't be able to tell you about all the cool stuff we we're doing, and we couldn't tell you about the f- tomfoolery and the madcap hijinks I got into on Bring a Trailer last week. This is breaking news, by the way. I, I just found out about this. Usually, you share, you telegraph, and tip me off, like, "Hey, here's what I'm bidding on." Yeah, and yeah. then you kept this under your sleeve. What no, the because heck? I, I get on Bring a Trailer all the time, and I I, I slap down three thousand dollar bids because to me, it's a placeholder. If I put a $3,000 bid, I don't look like a, a schmuck putting a $200 bid down. Mm-hmm. I put down real money, and I think to myself, if I could get that car for three grand, that would be a great deal. My wife doesn't quite see it that way. Dude, it's, three grand, that's ballers, that yeah, is. Yeah, that's, well, yeah, and if you if you follow my profile on Bring a Trailer, uh, which I may share What's, on the Instagram account, okay, or on, okay. on the, uh, the All right. whatever account. Social. If I, yeah, I may Neuralink. share with you. You will see there's a distinct pattern on the, the bids of Eric Stahl, and they're mostly $3,000, and they're mostly for old Toyotas. Big spender. So I I was winning a car six days in the auction with $3,000. $3, and it is my car of the week. It's a 1994 Celica, and it's straight from Japan. It's an SSI. It's got the smaller engine. It's right-hand drive. It's an automatic. It is nothing terribly special except it has low miles. That two-liter motor is not going to light anything up with the automatic, but it had black wheels. It's a Japanese import. And for $3,000 of 52,000 miles, that's not a bad deal, right? No, that's cheap. That's a cheap driver. I think so. It's in Texas. That's a little disconcerting. Not terribly, you know, not terrible, terrible, but. You could take a Texas vacation. Come on. I got a lot of cars sitting around. We got a lot of stuff going (laughs) on. And my wife has reminded me a lot lately that I have cars. But for whatever reason, I bid $3,000 on this car. And when it came down to it six days in, I kind of like said, look at this car, honey. It's only $3,000. I can get this car. And she goes. No, we do not need this car. I'm like, okay, whatever. As you've actively bid on it, I was already bit, I was winning it. I was just I was floating it. Do you, ever, like, do you ever float stuff to, uh-huh. to Sarah? Yeah, just to say, hey, what's going on? Like you it's already it? emotion. Like whatever happens yeah, here, yeah. it's already going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Just I didn't tell her I'd bid on it. I just said, isn't this a good deal? Just kind of see. You just like it's like just shooting a trial trial balloon out there uh-huh. just to see what happens. Well, obviously, it didn't go very well. That next morning, around ten fifty in the morning, the auction was coming to an end. 
Were you sweating it? Yes, because we were down to the, <laughs> we were down to ten minutes, no change. Eight uh-huh. minutes, no change. I'm still winning at three thousand dollars. Seem crazy. I've never seen a car go for that cheap on Bring a Trailer. No, it's historically, what's yeah. the che- I, and we should Google this later. Well, I wonder what the cheapest car that's ever sold on Bring it a Trailer. It might be then. this car because honest to God, <laughs> it was at three thousand dollars, and I was down to the last minute. And I told one of my employees, he's sitting there in my office, laughing his ass off of me. Yeah, you're like you're gonna get kicked out of your house. You're getting a car. You're getting a car. And all I could think was, I got to call the office manager, see if I can get some kind of a check written or something. I got to figure out something. I do an employee loan. My wife will literally divorce me if she knows I bought this car, and I got to transport it from Texas. And there's a and there's a seven hundred fifty dollar mystery selling fee on this thing too, which I didn't even read in the original description, which that pisses me off. Is that a bring a trailer thing? No, additional charges from dealer U.S. dollar seven fifty. So really, this car wasn't three thousand dollars. It was thirty seven fifty. Plus the buyer's fee, which is like this two hundred and some dollars, this car would have been four thousand. Okay. Regardless, I'm watching it tick down eight nine. Uh, I'm sorry, yeah nine eight seven six. I I'm down to a minute. I'm still winning it at three thousand dollars. I'm like, oh, well, no. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna eat this one. <laughs> it gets and if you watch Bring a Trailer, it's got this little browser bar that kind of works its way down. It's something and it looks like JavaScript and. Uh, Got down to 30 seconds, still no change. I'm like, I'm an owner. 20 seconds, I'm like, it's my car. It's done. Literally at 10 seconds before the end of the sale, nobody else has bid. It's me only. Another person bid $3,100. And I just, I about crap myself. I'm sorry. There's like three swear words in the last Just let it roll. I was shocked. Yeah. But part of me wanted to like bid over to see what happens. <laughs> because bring a trailer. Once somebody bids, it bumps it up another minute or minute or two or something like that. Uh, okay. So and, it keeps going. Yeah. So part of me is like, well, that's still really cheap. I should just get in there. And like, oh, take your money or take your take your marriage and run away right now, right? So, saved. Saved by the bell. Yes. So somebody got a really good smoking deal. I think they did. I mean, obviously, if they live in Texas, they, they're a lot closer. Uh, it's just a, it's just a plain Jane Celica. It's that lift back, like I was talking about the red one. I already mm-hmm. have one sitting up. I was going to say, it's, it's eerily similar to the one that you already own. <laughs> it does have black 18-inch wheels. I don't have those 18s, man. Those things are pretty hot. It's right-hand drive. It's got the cloth interior. The car looks good. It's in good shape. It's got no rust or corrosion. You buy a lot 50, of wheels for thirty-one hundred. Fifty thousand miles, man. I tell you, this is just—it's just one of those things. Like you look at the shell of the car, you're like, should have bought it, shoved it in a garage somewhere, and probably get twenty grand for it. You know, in ten or twenty years, because there's going to be somebody our age when yeah, they're sixty, when they're sixty or seventy, be like, oh man, it's a fifty thousand mile Celica. Never see one of those again. Mm-hmm. And it's right hand drive. But then again, I could put that three thousand dollars in the bank and never touch it, and probably have twenty grand. Exactly. <laughs> 20, grand, twenty grand when I'm sixty or seventy. I, I don't know. I uh, you might have dodged a bullet. I did dodge a bullet. I believe maybe two. I I can't even imagine what my wife would have done to me. Is she a good shot? She might have might have been two bullets. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm I'm serious. I I think I really did dodge a bullet. So anyway, that's that's what happens when I get stupid. Daryl, did you do anything as stupid as me? No, no, oh. I, I've behaved myself. Remember, kids, stay off. Bring a trailer. Don't do. Bring just don't. A trailer. Just don't. And I bid because I want the updates. That's uh-huh. why you know if you bid on something, then it that kind of includes you in the in the game. It's like I read the magazines for the articles. Yeah, come on. Like that. All right. Anyway, so my so my pick for this week. Uh, it was a little bit different. Um, I went back in time, but with a little bit of a modern flavor. 
This is also a bring a trailer listing, so I need to probably stop going there. <laughs> this is a 1956 Continental Mark II with a Coyote, a newer Ford Coyote 5 liter V8 swap. True 5 liter? Uh, yes, in this instance, yes. Uh, of course, Continental, people are saying, well, Daryl, why, why isn't it a Lincoln Continental? Well, in 1956, it wasn't a Lincoln. Oh. It was a standalone brand, a standalone mark. Wow. So it was actually Continental, which Ford spun off and was going to do their own thing, branded as its own division, much like Chrysler did with Imperial. Imperial was its own for, for about 10 years-ish, give or take. And then they said, ah, this is dumb, just call it a Chrysler. And same thing with Lincoln. They eventually moved that back into the Continental uh, under, under Lincoln. Anyways, this is a Mark II. It's the cool one that Elvis had. Uh, it's kind of a hand-built, one-off, really neat-looking design. Big coupe, luxury coupe, if you will. It's got that kind of fake spare tire in the back yeah. and uh, really neat lines to it. Uh, those deep dish wheels, I mean, is that kind yeah. of, is that vintage? No, it's got modern reels. This is this this thing here on the Bring a Trailer listing, it's it's jet black finish with kind of a custom grill, subtle, I say like uh, what do you call them? Like blade style um, billet rims mm-hmm. and then kind of a modern interior, but it's still pretty pretty true to its original design and the lines. But the listing here, this uh, it's a 56 Continental Mark II. They looked like this in 56 and 7. 58, they started getting a little bigger and looked like a spaceship. And then uh, 61 is when they started looking with the uh, suicide doors, the ones that uh, mm-hmm. everybody remembers from the 60s. So this thing is uh, approximately one of 2,500 first-year examples produced and was modified under prior ownership in 2019-2020 with a 5-liter Coyote V8. So that's a pretty nice high-revving modern Mustang V8. Made into a six-speed automatic transmission and an 8.8-inch rear differential. Uh, shaved exterior handles, a Heights front subframe added, so it's got a real nice front-end suspension, four-link rear suspension, coilovers, 18-inch alloy wheels, and four-wheel disc brakes. I think it's safe to say this thing probably runs, drives, and handles a lot better. So what would that have normally had, like, just uh, links with springs in the back before, like a... Like a minivan or something? Coil axle. Uh, I'm okay. sorry, a straight axle with coil springs, okay. most likely, I believe. It's just kind of floating back there. Yeah. And motor-wise, I honestly, I'm going to be terrible. It wasn't a 430. That was later. I think this was a 360-something, mm-hmm. 350-something V8. So a decent-sized V8, probably a little four-barrel what they call the teapot carburetor, because this thing had such a low hood line. They actually had a weird modified carburetor they used on these and Thunderbirds that uh, kind of a pain in the butt to work on. But original word? Uh, teapot. No, what's the word? What's that? Thunderbird. Come Thunderbird. on, man. you got to play along. Bird is a word? No, what's the word? It's Thunderbird. Man, you don't know your... I only know Thunderbird as the cheap wine. It is. <laughs> the cheap wine. Is that the... One? Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. All right. Gross. <laughs> anyway, so this thing, actually, current bid right now, and I'm not really one for hot rods, but this this is one of those where you take on the hot rod power tour or do like a Route 66 cruise. That'd be cool. Coast to coast yeah. and still look cool and then sell it in California. Um, and then fly back home. And then fly back in, in first and, class. And laugh all the way. This current bid on Bring a Trailer right now, it was at 51000 and change when I was there earlier. I'm going to pop in here right now because we have internet, folks. We, uh, we are in the future at this point. <laughs> Barely. 52 So we picked up a $1,000 bid. How long is left? And it looks like it ends in three days. So, Eric, if you get your bids in now. 3000 was my first bid. So 
Okay, was a little bit more, but uh, yeah, pretty slick car. I don't know. Um, your your pick's pretty cool, though. I think that's the bargain of bring a trailer probably since ever. That's what a lot of the comments were after the guy got it. I mean, of course, that hidden seven hundred fifty dollars fee. That's annoying. Have they always done that, or is it I just? I don't dealers? think so. I, I I have no idea where that came from, and and shame on me. But I've never seen a car. There was there was one time there was a white raggedy race car. That I thought I was going to win at three thousand, but it was like a day out. Next thing you know, it went up to like seven thousand. That's mm-hmm. generally how these things go. It it definitely was a lesson humility for me. Yeah, that maybe I shouldn't be so laissez faire mm. with my bidding. I could think of worse. Th- Here's how I always justify this. Uh, I've known people that have blown more than that in a weekend trip to Vegas. So, yeah, but uh, my wife didn't marry a guy who does weekend <laughs> trips to Vegas. So. <laughs> yeah, it's probably not a good yeah argument. Yeah. Right. No, I, it, you know, again, a placeholder. I can't even think that I was wanting to buy that car. Obviously, if you can find a deal, you want a deal. Uh, this red Celica I'm going to get that I have, mm-hmm. I'll be that deep in it if I put a transmission and I fix the paint and stuff like that, But uh, or Aiden Plasti dips it. But, uh, but I have it. It's in my hand. I'm not going to Texas. Yeah. It's not right-hand drive. I don't have to worry about the kinky title situation where it says it's got a title from wherever – but you don't really know until you get to Illinois and register it, right? That's always the gotcha. When you yeah. get it, you purchase it, you get it here, and it's like... You it's, do a title search, you're like, oh, that's not right. That's, the name on the title is not the person I bought it from. Yeah. And they passed away five years ago. Yeah, and by the way, you're now going to be in just <laughs> paper chase for the next five years, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, and guess what? It was reported stolen. <laughs> In Japan, if the plot thickens, yeah, Michael Michael Douglas shows up like Black Rain. (laughs) Best movie ever, by the way. Ever, ever better than uh, the dog. What Ghost Dog? Ghost Dog. The Way of the Samurai. I watched that with my son a while back. Did you guys like it? He loves it. Aiden, this is why we're friends. What's your take? Um, it was better than I remembered. Okay. Uh. I I could go. It, it definitely is like an amateur cinematography type thing. Yeah. But I like. It's almost like a uh, a professional for urban kids. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, I think that's fair. Plus, Kate Capshaw, it redeems uh, <laughs> it redeems her performance in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Oh, whatever. Anyways, all right. Is it? I think it's time to kill it. It's time to kill it. We've done pretty good, actually. You know, if you enjoyed that little end of the show, just terrible movie talk, then you probably should be a pre-show subscriber because if you love movies and you love music, well, we've got a pre-show for you. So do we. You can actually buy the pre-show episodes individually if you want to do a little taste test, a little flight. If you want to dabble per se, two ninety nine I think takes you all the way for a pre-show on iTunes Premium. So. Worth it. Yeah, check that out. Everybody, thanks again for supporting the show. I know we were a little long on this last one. It's been a month, and uh, it, it as much as it might bug you, it bugs me twice as much. It and really I'll, does. And I'll blame Daryl Scott because I said, Daryl, let's do a show. And you're like, <laughs> I'm busy. I have family. It's more important than hanging out with you, Eric. Yeah, I think I'd say, that's exactly what I said. Well, he said it he, through Messenger. I, uh-huh. I have to I have to read between the lines. You're paraphrasing. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. No, it's it's. This is fun and uh, I'm good. To, glad to be back in the saddle. This is what eighty six episode eighty six episode eighty six. Man, wow, how how crazy is that? Yeah, I didn't think we would be friends this long, but uh, well, we I managed. Never, we're, no, we work together. <laughs> we're acquaintances. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I tried to go out to dinner with you the last two weeks, and you've blown me off. I I've I've had something every night. I swear, it's not you, it's me, which is what I say a lot. 
but at least I'm not on Bring a Trailer bidding on $3,000 cars. Anyways. And maybe we shouldn't bring that up in front of my wife like we did the last time we had a secret. <laughs> <with my wife. laughs> okay. Did I blow it? Yeah, so Sarah... You know, anybody who's listening who might see my wife at the dinner table, can we please just not talk about this type of stuff? Just because you heard on the show doesn't mean she knows what we're talking about. Okay? Fair. That's fair. All right. That's fair. Thanks again, everybody. We'll see ya.